Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. Well, welcome to the second Sunday of Advent. Uh, And just as a reminder, Advent is a season in the church calendar, and Advent is a word that just means arrival. And for us, uh, Advent is the church's way of observing and remembering that God came to be with us once, God is with us now, and God will come again to make all things right. And typically, the, the kind of four weeks of Advent, the Advent themes are hope, peace, joy, and love. And um, those ideas will de- are definitely kind of woven. It's kind of the undercurrent of our teaching, but w- we decided to do something a little bit different this year. Uh, I came across the practice of the Carmelite nuns. It's a, a, an order that was formed in the 15th century. And uh, instead of the kind of typical uh, hope, peace, joy, and love uh, themes of Advent, the Carmelite nuns uh, focus on four different themes. Uh, their themes are waiting, accepting, journeying, and birthing. Waiting, accepting, journeying, and birthing. And they're connected to the traditional themes, but the, the kind of new language just provided me uh, kind of a new perspective on the season, and I hope it does for you too. And uh, in our teaching, uh, really what I'm going for, I'm just letting you in a little bit, uh, is that these sermons are short and simple. That's the idea. It's Advent. We don't have to overcomplicate it. We have some new themes. It's new language. Hopefully that's uh, breathed some new life into the season, but still trying to keep it really simple. So this week, our Advent theme is accepting. And over the last couple of years at Gather, if you've been around, we've talked a lot about the practice of acceptance, but we've mostly talked about um, accepting the negative things in our life. We, we've talked about the process of grief a lot, moving uh, from denial to acceptance, not, not, not uh, avoiding or pushing down our negative emotions or negative experiences, uh, but really coming to a place of acceptance about them, right? It's a, a lot, really just the, the cycles, the stages of grief that we're talking about there. And um, that is good work, and we have definitely not arrived in that work by any means, but that's not what we're talking about today with this theme of accepting. It's not about uh, accepting the negative experiences in our life or uh, avoiding denial. Today, um, we're going to be talking about uh, becoming open enough to be willing and able to accept good in our life, right? So not just accepting these negative things because they are reality, but being open, willing, and able to accept good in our life, right? That's Advent work, that God is seeking to give a good gift, love in the flesh. But for a lot of us, uh, we're pretty bad at opening ourselves up to receive goodness, to receive love, to receive care or kindness. Right? We struggle to accept good things. Today we'll be reading Mary's story from Luke chapter 1. And uh, let me give you a little context on Mary, the mother of Jesus, before we read uh, this passage. So in my Protestant upbringing, we didn't talk a lot about Mary. I think we were afraid of deifying Mary. Um, We didn't want to be like the Catholics. That was like a pretty strong uh, sense in my Southern Baptist church, like, don't be Catholic. Uh, And so we didn't talk a lot about Mary, and that may be because we didn't want to deify Mary. It may have also just been be because we didn't talk about women a lot. Uh, women didn't have a place in my religious context growing up. Uh, and so I think it just to start, we should just be reminded that the Christmas story is a story about really strong women. It's the whole thing. It's woman after woman after woman who has this faithful strength 
to bring about the Christmas narrative. So women are at the centerpiece of this entire story. But Mary was most likely born in Nazareth, a tiny town of about 1,600 people, uh, during the reign of Herod the Great. Um, Mary belonged to the peasant class, uh, which, you know, scraped together a living through uh, maybe small farming, carpentry, a trade of some kind. But as a as a part of the peasant class, which was about 90% of all people at the time, uh, Mary and her family would have had a triple tax burden. So they would have been taxed by Rome, taxed by Herod the Great, and taxed by the temple. And in Palestine at the time, uh, women ordinarily married at about the age of 13 uh, in order to kind of maximize childbearing years and to guarantee virginity. And so it's likely uh, that Mary's engagement to Joseph her birth of the birth of Jesus, all of that happens when she is very young, like 13, 14 years old. But even though Mary's really young, it would be a, mis- a mistake to think of Mary as weak or fragile. So she is young, but she's not weak and she's not fragile. Uh, she was capable of walking the hill country while pregnant, of giving birth in a stable, of sleeping in the open country like other pilgrims of her day. She was capable of, of doing hard labor regularly, but she was definitely not fragile or weak. But this is what happens to Mary in Luke chapter 1 when the angel of the Lord shows up. Luke chapter, it's kind of a lot of scripture, we're just going to read through it. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 28, the angel went to Mary and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. Also, the angel went to Mary. It's a very uh, subtle, an angel just showed up to her out of nowhere. Like it's, I, sometimes I want there to be like a woe in parentheses, like woe, OMG. Uh, the Lord is with you, says, uh, says the angel. Mary was greatly troubled, as you would be, at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come to you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your words to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of my humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. So the angel shows up unannounced and starts with uh, greetings, you who are highly favored. It's like a sales tactic, right? Knock on the door and start with a compliment. And um, Mary is, of course, scared. Uh, and the angel hasn't even gotten to the news yet, and Mary is scared. And the angel says, uh, you will conceive and give birth to a son named Jesus, the son of the Most High. And some in our current cultural moment, in this space we live in, have asked whether Mary consented to this process, to this pregnancy. It's a fair question, because an angel of the Lord shows up and says, you, you will conceive. So it's a fair question. Uh, But Mary does say in verse uh, 37, I am the Lord's servant. May your words be fulfilled. In other words, I hope this happens. I hope this happens. 
And then in verse 49, God has done great things for me. So you can just hear it from Mary. She says, I hope this happens. This is good news. I hope this happens. This is good news. And um, it's, it's worth noting that 2,000 years ago in the ancient Near East, uh, the folks who were putting these stories together were not, um, were not nearly as concerned as we are with the consent of a 13-year-old girl. That doesn't mean they shouldn't have been, uh, but they weren't. And so the idea that we're able to see anything from Mary, the, the, the idea that they noted her acceptance is so um, remarkable, so progressive in, some, in, in, in a way. The, the, the idea that the scripture notes Mary's acceptance of this news is a huge deal. It tells you, one, how much honor was given to Mary and how truly accepting she was of this. Right? The news is a gift for her. The mighty one has done great things for me. Right? Mary accepts the gift from God. She's scared, but her heart is open. It's incredible. And this is our Advent work, opening ourselves up and receiving, accepting God's good gifts. And I know it might sound like, well, of course, when good things come to me, I accept them. If somebody wants to buy me a winning lottery ticket, I'm all in. I'll take it. Of course, I accept good things. But really, most of us aren't very good at it. Henry Nouwen describes his journey with this uh, like this. He says, uh, there are many voices, voices that are loud, full of promise and very seductive, voices that suggest I'm not going to be loved without my having earned it through determined efforts and hard work. They want me to prove to myself and to others that I am worth being loved, and they keep pushing me to do everything possible to gain acceptance. They deny loudly that love is a totally free gift. Right? What Nowen is saying is that we convince ourselves that in order to receive love, in order to accept care and kindness and goodness, then we better have earned it. We better deserve. We better have worked. And there is an internal voice. There are external voices, but there is an internal script for a lot of us running in our minds that says, I don't think you deserve this. I'm not sure you've worked hard enough. There's an internal script that is constantly measuring our worthiness, our deservedness. And all of those voices deny loudly that love is a totally free gift. There is no earning. There is no deserving, no working, no measuring, only accepting our acceptance. The work is believing our belonging receiving our divine reception. That's it. We accept. We don't earn. And we follow in the footsteps of Mother Mary. Our Advent work is accepting. And I am good at this um, intellectually. In my brain, in theory, I can explain this idea that the story of the good news of Jesus, the story of the gospel, the stories of the scripture, the story of God dealing with his people is that we need to accept that God has unconditionally loved us, that there is no earning, there's no working, there's no deserving. I can explain it. I can believe it here. But when it comes to actually accepting the love from the people around me, care from people around me, kindness from people around me, I struggle. Ultimately, I believe a lie that tells me that people don't really care 
about me, care for me because of who I am, that they care for me and they love me because of what I do for them. Right? It takes real work for me to believe that you love me and that you care about me, not just because of what I provide for you on Sundays or in a meeting or in curriculum. It's hard for me to get past the idea that I am more than a utility to you. It's hard for me. And so this is my Advent work, to open myself up, to receive, to accept, not because I've earned or deserve, but because love is a totally free gift. And I'm ready to accept my acceptance. So how does this idea hit you? The practice of accepting love and care just how does that first sound to you? And do you, do you believe love and kindness and care and goodness? Do you believe they're available to you, for you? Or maybe you're feeling dismissive of the idea because you don't believe that love is actually available to you. Maybe you're dismissive of the idea of receiving love because you say, what love? What care? What kindness? And I wonder if you're able to accept love and care. You know, as I shared a little bit of, uh, of my own journey, I'm realizing that accepting love and care freely with no earning or deserving, it is vulnerable work. Because when you earn something, when you deserve it, you don't have to open yourself up in that way. There's no weakness. It's only strength. But when you can receive love and care and kindness and goodness that is totally disconnected from your deservedness, it's vulnerable. And I wonder how much you, you are measuring your own deservedness. Through comparison, maybe, that you say, oh, someone else deserves this more. You know, actually, I'm okay now. I don't need anything. This is all of our Advent work. That we might, through the power of God, be able to accept, to receive, to experience goodness and love. So Mary practices this radical acceptance, and then she sings a song, and we read part of it together. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices. The mighty one has done great things for me. It's a song. She goes on in her song, and she says, uh, God has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Mary's song is a radical, subversive political message. Mary says, God, God has blessed me with this child and God will bring down the rulers from their thrones. It's a pregnant teenager seeking to overthrow an empire of oppression. She doesn't just accept God's good gift. She does, but she doesn't just do that. She also accepts God's call. God's mission. She doesn't just receive peace, she becomes a peacemaker. Sarah Bessie says this, Mary did not accept to become a victim of God, nor did she accept the current political and social and moral landscape as God's perfect will. 
Instead, she accepts the call of God to participate in the redemption and renewal. She accepts God's call, and that puts her at odds with the very powers and principalities who have tried to make her consent into a morality tale or goddess figure in order to make women, especially women of color, behave. But she didn't accept. She didn't accept or consent in order to be timid or quiet, to be well-behaved. When she accepted the love of God, she also accepted the mission of God, the justice of God, the restoration of God. And so this Advent, we stand beside Mother Mary, accepting love, yes, accepting goodness, yes, but alongside the love and care of God comes God's justice, God's restoration, God's healing work in the world. And so gather, this is my prayer for us today. May you receive the peace of God and then become a peacemaker. Receive care and acceptance and belonging and then become a person of justice, healing, and love. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.